G'day everyone, it's James Davis from the Paxate Academy down here in APAC again. I've got uh, Ben from Hosted Networks. Thanks for joining me, Ben. Thanks for having me, James. It's great to be here. This is You were just telling me before that this is the first time being a guest rather than hosting a lot of things. As you know, I host a lot of these things and it's it's weird being on the other side. So I'm kind of uh, you know grateful I don't have to prepare all my questions ahead of time. So <laughs> you've done all the hard work for me. Well... I still much prefer being a guest, so maybe we'll flip halfway through and run with <laughs> Sure, <that>. why not? <laughs> well, I wanted to get you in because obviously we, we, we know each other quite well. We've been talking we've been talking for a few years and I wanted to get you on this session to, to really explore um, telco opportunities and um, what MSPs can do to leverage that and just, just throw some more thoughts and ideas uh, around and... I thought I'd ask you, I, I'm seeing it a lot with MSPs in, in some of the sections that I, I circle around that more and more people are starting to resell telco services. Um, and I wanted to ask you if that's what you're seeing and why do you think that is? Yeah, you're right. There are more and more MSPs are. Um, I think there's a, there's been a core group of um, MSPs that have been around for longer that you know, it's part of their bread and butter. Um, these days, I think it is more expected from the end customer. In fact, CRN did a did their, well, their State of the Union report or whatnot, and uh, one of their um, takeaways was that 75% of end customers, don't quote me on the exact number, uh, but um, think their telco should be the one providing, sorry, sh think they their MSP should be the one providing their telco needs. All right, so um, I think that's the driving, one of the driving factors is that, the end customer doesn't want to go and shop around in that sense, right? They're, um, unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, many end customers think IT is just that. It's, it's just IT, right? When we all know it's a big umbrella term and there's a lot of things that fall under that, um, you know, which is, you know, complex for, uh, for MSPs. Uh, but, you know, in, in my opinion, it is a market opportunity um, for them. Uh, it's leaving money on the table if they're not providing it. Uh, but in many cases, uh, an MSP is still expected to support the actual connections, right? So maybe the end customer has gone to Telstra you know, or whoever it might be. Um, and what happens is, you know, something goes wrong, but who, who does the end customer call? In many cases, they call their IT provider, their MSP, right? And it's, you know, an unlimited per seat, per device contract, whatever that looks like, but it burns margin by not providing it. Right, which means your techs are sort of sitting on the on you know on the phone dealing with whoever it might be, uh, and it in many cases it doesn't reflect on the provider; it reflects on the MSP. Right, so I have a lot of conversations around that time to resolution. Why you know providing connectivity should be around time to resolution and avoiding margin burn. You know, not just about making money um, or making more from the services that you know the, the telco services. So in a lot of ways. Uh, providing connectivity, if done right, can actually increase the margins from lowering the support for your MSP agreements. Right. So, um, but to go back to your question, I think that you know times have changed. Customers are after a, a bit more of a one-stop shop. Um, they expect you to provide everything. And you know, we were talking earlier. Um, if you look at, you know, I'm, I'm quoting the big T a lot here. So hopefully, I don't, uh, I, you know, I don't get a slap on the wrist for that. But um, you look at how they're competing in the market now in 
in SMB land particularly, right? All of a sudden, Telstra is now a marketing agency. They're an, IT, they're an MSP. They're, you know, next thing you know, they're going to be selling, you know, um, you know well, they, they do, they sell laptops, they sell all those sort of things, right? Hardware peripherals. Um, and so they're, they're competing in that space, whereas, you know, and that's because they're losing market share in the SMB space, right? Because their customers are expecting that, um, you know, the IT provider provides all that connectivity and all the other bits and pieces, right? So it's not just connectivity. You know, that, that extends to, you know, um, you know, internet, voice, you know, cybersecurity, everything else, licensing, hardware procurement. Um, and this is probably more so with the SMB space. I think when you, when you get into the larger end of town, that's where things do start to get more diversified. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that kind of covers So... A lot of opportunity, I agree. Um, there's money to be made, but is it magic money or are there's, is there traps that get in the way and challenges that you know, most people go into this blind? Like I know you mentioned that before where quite a few established MSPs that have been reselling connectivity and telco services for quite a while. And I remember back when I started that one-stop one shop concept was going around and everyone needs to be a one-stop stop shop and it seemed like everyone gave it a go and failed so what are those challenges and traps that you've seen that catch, catch people out with this like like anything if you're going to specialize with anything you need to get kind of you need to fail and learn from it i know that sounds brutal but it's the same with with telco um you if you deploy a new software package you know you 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 have to do training, you have to learn, right? Uh, and it's the same thing with, with Telco. Uh, what I see with the, the guys that have provided it for a lot longer is that they've just really, they've gone through those, you know, they've, they've, they've stumbled and they've gotten back up. They've, you know, so they've learned the nuances of uh, what can be done, how to get things escalated, those sort of things, um, which is, you know, what I do see a lot of, you know, younger MSPs struggle with when they do get into things like, you know, connectivity or voice. Um, but again, it's like anything, right? And so I'd set your audience up for, if they are new to connectivity, to just be prepared for that, right? It's that kind of that learning curve. Um, try and get across the, the nuances as quickly as possible. Ask your provider, you know, don't just sort of expect an internet connection to be an internet connection because it's not, right? It's um, the... The, the example I can give is of an end customer turning around and saying, it's slow, right? It's vague, it's open. It's like that with connectivity and the issues that you'll face, right? They can be, they can be greatly varied uh, and sometimes they can be easy to resolve. Other times they can be complex, you know? I mean, um, if uh, you know, a tractor digs up the fiber in the street, well, it's going to take longer to get resolved, which means there's extra sales opportunities and those sort of things. Where I often see that MSPs go wrong is that they treat connectivity like a commodity, right? And it's, oh, okay, the customer is moving office or they've asked me to provide an internet connection and they go straight to the bottom of the price list without thinking about the bigger picture, what it supports, what it provides, uh, wh what they're going to do when something goes wrong. Um, so that's probably one of the, you know, the traps in terms of the mistakes that I see are made along the way. And I've, you know, 20 years ago, I, I ran an MSP myself, right? So I made all of these mistakes myself. Um, and what, what I found to make it the, as successful as possible is to make sure that, you know, that you've got a good stack, 
you know, us IT guys, we love a good technology stack, right? It's the same thing with connectivity. And what I mean by that is like looking at, you know, try and standardize on your routers. Don't have a whole bunch of different models out there, just like you would with laptops and desktops and those sort of things. You know, the more different device types you've got out there, the harder it is to support. Um, standardize with your, your, your providers. Don't chop and change providers, try and standardize. Um, and making sure that you think about, you know, what happens when something goes wrong. Do they need a redundant connection? Do they need an SLA? Those little bits and pieces. Um, and set the customer's expectations from the word go. Because what I see with uh, MSPs that provide, that you know, are newer to providing connectivity, the frustrations come from their customers. Their customers are yelling at them all of a sudden, right? Uh, and now they can't blame Telstra. Now they're next on the chopping block, right? So it's important to make sure that you get the solution right from the word go, right? It'll say, it saves so much pain uh, down the line. You know, if you standardize, if you get that kind of, that stack looking perfect. And you, even things like um, when you propose it, you know, in your proposal, make, make templates, make things like that, that so you can kind of, um, you can outline all the, the, what's included in that connection, right? And that can often avoid like you mentioned, like margin burn, that kind of, that pain, that trap, um, but it sets a better better experience for the end customer going along as you know, further down the line as well. Because, you know, connectivity like anything in IT, it will break, something's going wrong. So you, you kind of need to build that in, or in into your way of thinking from the word go. If you don't, you're kind of setting yourself up for, up for failure. But that would just be like rolling out a new, you know, line of business application for a customer. And, you know, I know I did it plenty of times and say, yeah, okay, we'll figure that out. You know, putting my hand up and, you know, charging a project rate and it blowing out. It's, it's a learning curve. Um, but when I standardized way back when, that was probably one of the biggest things that really just made support easy, made selling it easy. Right, because the the honest truth is that the margins are lower in connectivity. All right, but where you'll lose more is when things go wrong. Right, so if you get it right from the beginning, you'll eliminate that, and it'll it'll be a margin driver versus you know something that's um, you know, drawing away from your margins. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're when you're talking about like things to get right and building out your stack, what, what does that sort of look like at a high level? Because obviously that's going to be different for each MSP and their client base, but like what, what should you be considering in this sort of connectivity and telco side? Yeah, okay. Um, I'd say the there's a couple of different areas. So there's the connection itself, um, which is obviously important, uh, and that's going to come down to your monthly cost, right? So whether you're going for a basic you know, uh, NBN service or if you're going to put in a full fiber service, um, straight up, you know, if I look at our support tickets, 75% of our tickets, that's my, my magic number today, um, <laughs> comes from copper-based services, right? So if they do have HFC or they've got fiber to the node, expect that more things are going to go wrong, right? And set that expectation with the client. Um, in terms of uh, even before the connection though, thinking about the router, um, we see, and I have a lot of these conversations with partners that and I don't want to bag any particular vendor because everyone's got their, their, their pros and cons. Some are lower cost, some are more premium, etc. cetera. Um, but thinking about the vendor, the, the actual hardware that you're using, does it have vendor support? I know there's a few brands out there that 
um, have great you know, centralized management and things like that, but no vendor support. So as soon as you hit a roadblock, you're stuck with community forums, right? So all of a sudden, margin burn happens again. It's not because of the internet connection, it's because of the router or the firewall. Um, the next one is just keep in mind that firewall, uh, sorry, routers, just like any device or firewalls, need to be maintained, right? Um, we have a service that we call uh, Project Guardian internally, um, and we actually present to our partners uh, what, if there's any CVEs on that router that we can see from the public internet, what's open, all of those sort of things, right? And if I look out, you know, look, at, and the reason we did that is because we were looking at the, you know, thousands upon thousands of connections out there that we have, and we'd look at particular vendors that all of a sudden have a 10 out of 10 CVE just due to a firmware. All right, so if there's an issue, you need vendor support, ideally, or just be prepared to not have that, right? Again, setting yourself up from the word go, but also um, making sure that you do think about how you're going to manage those. What's the patching like, those sort of things, because um, whether it is an enterprise, you know, our, our NOC team have just spent, you know, um, the last two nights basically up all night patching FortiGate routers. They're a great firewall, right? But like every security vendor, you know, CVEs, you know, vulnerabilities are found. Um, so just be, make sure that you have those processes in there to actually patch and manage them uh, because connectivity is, when you get it wrong, it's like leaving the front door open from a security standpoint. Right, so if you think of it from, you've got called the, the your greatest security appliances, you've got you know all of these, you've got, I don't know, AV, MDR, whatever it looks like on the endpoints, your servers are protected, all of that, but then you don't patch the firewall. And some of these vulnerabilities are within seconds you can get into the entire environment, right? So um, it is a critical thing to think about, and that should be regardless of you know whether you're providing the connectivity or not. Um, but yeah, um, think about the when, when you're thinking about the routers and things as well. If there is, if it is a firewall, there's likely going to be licensing. What does that renewal process look like? The connectivity is just going to bill every single month, right? Right. So from a billing perspective, but um, what a lot of, you know, there's a lot of firewall vendors out there that don't do a monthly model. Potentially looking at one that does, um, I've found to be again, margin burn, because then your back of office team don't have to send a PO, you don't have to quote it to your client, get them to sign off every year or three years or whatever it might be. Um, so again, trying to standardize at the word go and thinking about those things, vendor support, um, you know, what does it look like from a, a patching, what's centralized management, those things. Getting that stack right from, at the beginning will make your life so much easier down the line. Um, you know, and if you've, if you, are worried about the cost, trying to think of a couple of different devices that hit that price point. If you've got a fiber service, then, you know, premium fiber service, then you're likely gonna be able to get away with a more premium router or firewall, right? Whereas if it is a more basic connection, you might have to look at a more, you know, basic router. Uh, but just be aware of those limitations, if there are, uh, and try and set those expectations with the client early on. Get them to opt out rather than just not telling them in the first place. Mm. Right, that way you're limiting, limiting your risk and you can kind of use it as a bit of a sales opportunity to go, hey, if they do have something that goes wrong, hey, we did highlight it, can you please consider it now? I think that's a very good point. Um, 
Yeah, you mentioned it earlier on around how it's very quick to commoditize this stuff. Well, it is a bit of bit commodity. It is a bit of commodity, but we make assumptions about our client budgets and go in with that attitude of, oh, they're not going to spend any money, so we only give them the cheap option. Where I completely agree with you, should go in with the right option, which is typically going to be premium and go, well, what's the reason why we wouldn't do this? And is it legitimate? And work our way backwards if we have to. Um, yeah, let them make that decision. Don't make it for them. Um, a, you're limiting your risk, but you're being that trusted advisor, right? And that applies, in my opinion, to anything in IT, not just connectivity. I guess, you know, to answer your question that you asked before is, it's just one of those things that I just see that gets wrong. I've seen the best MSPs out there that have an absolutely amazing stack everywhere else and they have, you know, um, they do amazing QBRs. They do, you know, they have dedicated teams for, for you know, um, sysadmin, for, you know, patching. It, but then they fall down on, you know, providing the wrong routers on the wrong solution because they just treat it like, oh, in their mind, it's just, just an internet connection. Um, and that can just cause issues down the line. As a telco connectivity reseller, what are, you, what are your obligations? So uh, you do need to be part of the uh, ACMA, which is ACMA, uh, uh, no, it's uh, the TIO, sorry, TIO. It is free to join. Um, we've actually got a great guide on our website that sort of outlines everything. Um, you do also need, when you're providing to end customers to have uh, critical information summaries, right? Which again, if you're partnering with a telco that you know, specializes with um, MSPs, hosted network, um, the, that those providers will have you know templates for all those bits and pieces. So registering with the TIO. Now, a lot of, you know, I, I've had a number of conversations over the years that people are scared of the TIO, right? They're not scary, first of all. If you ever get a complaint, you actually get five business days to sign up and it's free to sign up, right? All the TIO is there, is, you know, the, the telecommunications ombudsman is there to handle complaints, right? So long as you're doing something and you're not sitting on your hands, you've got no risk, right? There's nothing to be afraid of. Um, and it's, in my opinion, it's actually a good tool. Uh, I, I've actually encouraged partners at times to submit TIO, get their customer to submit a TIO complaint because that can be leveraged with upstream, even, you know, big government organizations like NBN, right? So it can cause movement along the way. Um, but yeah, just making sure that you understand your ACMA uh, obligations. They have a great little checklist um, that sort of runs through that. Uh, but the TIO is the, the biggest one uh, and making sure you provide critical information summaries. So that's going to be what type of speeds can they expect, what type of support, all those sort of things. Uh, and pretty much any uh, retail provider has to, uh, will, will have that. So you probably would have seen that from you know, any of the retail providers as well. Okay. And the whole, like I've had heard some horror stories in the past of people starting to do connectivity and then they're getting huge fines because they're, they're getting it wrong. What would typically cause that sort of, those sort of fines? And I know I've asked you a very vague question, but like what would typically recourse, you know, like what sort of risk do you I carry? I think I know that the, the companies that you're referring to, uh, and like I said a second ago, they were caught out for sitting on their hands. They didn't do anything. And it wasn't just once. It was multiple, multiple times. So you've really got to be bad at your job doing something legitimately wrong 
to get fined. You get so many chances um, with the TIO as a as a provider. It's you know, and they're not that scary. It's you know, the customer might be you know, but this is the TIO is primarily there for like you know home users, residential, but it is there for business as well. Um, but it's it's there so they have a pathway to get things resolved. Right. And if you've sat on your hand for, and we're talking months and months and months here with no communication across in those, those examples, they weren't one or two customers. They were like a hundred customers, right? They ignored them. Didn't respond to tickets, didn't respond to phone calls. Uh, so you've got to be doing something seriously wrong, uh, from a general day to day, give you an idea. I've, I've been with business 20 years, uh, and I've had probably maybe five TIO and that's through partners. You know, we support 170 odd partners, MSPs across Australia. Uh, so very, very few, right? And uh, a couple of those, like I said, have actually been asked going, just submit one so we can use it as weight. Um, and the TIO, you get an email that sort of says, hey, we've got this you know, outline. Your, your first instance is, hey, can you please have it responded within X amount of time? And that's it, TIO doesn't do anything else. As long as they don't get any other complaints, it closes itself off. The customer does, then they get engaged, they give you a call and they basically say, what are you doing to get this resolved? Um, yeah, it, they're not as scary as what people think. So um, I, to be one of those situations, all those, those providers that ended up in the news, you've got to be doing something seriously wrong. Yeah, okay. So, so you've sold me, I want to, I want to start selling selling these services now what do i need to what do i need to be going into to sell this stuff correctly what, what do i uh, i'm assuming i get locked into long-term contracts that i'm reselling to the client so what are the typical arrangements and stuff of how cool. this yeah, works? great question uh, and it depends on how you want to be engaged and there's pros and cons of each uh, first of all in terms of contracts, that will depend on the service that you're selling. Now, I can't speak for all telco provide, like wholesale providers. I'm more speaking from our uh, our perspective. Uh, but when you're talking your basic NBN sort of connections, they aren't contracted, right? So your risk is minimal. Uh, if you're a smaller business, uh, I wouldn't be signing larger contracts uh, when it comes to fiber builds and things like that. If you're gonna, if you're only gonna sell one here, or you know, that's it then you want what's called a referral model, right? And that's where someone is gonna give you a, a kickback, basically a commission, right? But the risk in doing that is that they then are no longer your customer. And most of those organizations, those providers that have that referral model have minimum commitment. So you've gotta be selling a certain amount to maintain that. So that's the referral model. They're basically, you're giving up a customer, you're referring it over to that provider, and then they engage directly and you get a kickback. Those kickbacks, are going to vary on that provider. And the model that, um, that hosted network provides is that we, we invoice the customer, uh, sorry, we invoice the partner, the partner invoices the customer, right? So MSPs are our customer. We don't have any relationship with the end customer. So in the, that circumstance, that's when back-to-back -back contracts are needed, right? Um, uh, most there's plenty of te uh, templates out there as well in, there's a number of different communities that have, uh, telco uh, contracts. I won't sort of name names, but you can certainly uh, find them online easily enough. Um, a lot of the providers will provide templates as well with a big asterisk that says seek legal advice. Um, but 
the the catch with a, a fiber connection, why it's contracted, is because that cost has been amortized, right? Let's say it costs, I don't know, 50 grand, right? That cost is typically gonna be divided across a, you know, a 36 month period, but it might go down as low as 12, right? Depending on the customer's appetite and those sort of things. But for your basic services, like an MBN TC4, which is kind of what we get at home residential grade, um, which many businesses still use, uh, then there's there's no contracts for those, right? So the bigger deals where there's more margin, yeah, as, uh, as the saying goes, where there's complexity, there's margin. For those ones, they're going to have back-to-back contracts, right? So um, we'd have a contract with the, with the MSP and the MSP should have a contract with their end customer, right? Just like their, uh, uh, their MSP contract. And what I've seen uh, a number of uh, MSPs do is build that into their actual, their main contract. So it's kind of like they're, they're signing off on it. And that way if they have to, well, the end customer signs off on it in that uh, if they do ever order those sort of services, they're covered, right? And then the, from a, a quoting perspective, uh, it's, you know, your monthly, maybe any upright fees that you're charging for professional services or equipment, those sort of things. Uh, typically I recommend building that in and again amortizing that yourself right so turning it into a monthly subscription uh, and then the the next thing you really need to think about is how you're going to bill it right so if you've got a PSA um, you know order task connect wires etc uh, it's a recurring item just like your 365 um, the great thing about connectivity though is that uh, unlike say 365 there's virtually no fluctuation you set it up once away it goes um, we're one of the few providers that have a complete rebilling platform to make sure that you don't miss rebilling anything and we'll push any of those services into your PSA ConnectWise order task or straight into your accounting package if it's like zero or something like that. Uh, and we do that so that, you know, it might be, NBN connection might be 50 bucks a month, but if you miss that billing that a couple of times, it adds up. All right. So just like 365, right? If you, you know, if you have that, those seats and you're not billing them, it adds up. So that's another risk to consider, like any recurring service, making sure that you've got those those processes down pat of cool, this is how we order, this is how we this is how we bill, this is how we reconcile it as well. You know, making sure that there are any fluctuations. That's some really good advice on the billing process, because I've seen them many times in MSPs that start doing this and they've got no process to trigger when it's starting to bill, when we need to start charging the client. And it can go months, months go by, and yeah, it might only be fifty bucks, but I've six seen, months I've later, seen one that was a couple of times significantly more, and it went on for years. And that's that one partner is why we built that system I referred to because it was like, oh, you know, just forget one person forgets, and it just kind of way way it goes. So, so. What would be your advice on how to identify these opportunities and then actually go out and sell this to the, to the clients? Okay. Yeah, so connectivity is probably one of the easier ones. It is like leaving money on the table in that sense. Uh, if you think of the good old commander, commander built a business from backpackers knocking on the door. It's not a hard sell. Right, um, especially if you're standardizing it. So uh, whenever a customer is moving office, that's a great opportunity. Uh, if even just asking the question, 
hey, what are you doing with your internet connection uh, or your voice or whatever it might be. Now, because there are often contracts, even if they're in contract, note down when that contract comes out and set that expectation. Hey, when it comes up, we'd love to look at you know how we can save you some money, how we can improve that piece of it. Um, but it starts with asking the question. Um, you know, the, te- the, the voice equivalent of that, uh, whenever, back when we ran our MSP, I used to say to our techs, whenever you see an old phone on the desk, all right, flag it with us so that we know that we can actually go, hey, can we you know, do a bill comparison? All right, look for some trigger points like that. Um, trigger points can also be like reliability. You know, when you're, if you're doing something like a QBR and your techs are spending time on handling support issues, letting them know that there is a better way, that you will have more control of getting that resolved if you provide that connection yourself. Therefore, you know, and again, a QBR discussion of keeping them online, increasing the end customer's productivity, but also not leaving money on the table for you. Do you, do you see many um, MSPs getting into the whole um, work from home and selling connectivity for the, their client's staff? Um, to be honest, no, not really. Um, maybe that's a that, maybe that's a market. Um, the probably why I'm and, and I'm uh, I'm making an assumption here, uh, but home users are a little bit different to uh, to business users, right? Uh, especially when you've got kids involved that you know they're downloading Fortnite or they're streaming Netflix movies and those sort of things aren't working, right? So the business requirements are a little bit different. Um, the there are also headaches with residential, right? So for example, if you've put in a residential NBN connection in uh, versus a business one, and I don't know, something goes wrong. Maybe the service is down or it's slow or whatever it might be. Um, unless you've got what's called a, an ESLA or an enhanced SLA, uh, your support goes to the residential team, right? So that's something to really keep in mind. That, And if you don't have that, and I see it far too often, they don't have that, that the MSP just doesn't include it. Um, when something goes wrong, they, you sit behind every mum, dad with Netflix issues from a support perspective. All right, so to answer your question, no. I would assume that it, that's probably the case that... Um, I have seen a few partners that they do a, um, a, like a discount code. So they kind of, they use it as like an incentive thing. Oh, as part of our MS, uh, MSP program, you actually get a discount on any of your staff's internet connections, 10% or whatever it might be. Um, so I have seen that, um, but I don't, there might be partners in, even in our community that are doing it. Um, I wouldn't actually really have the, uh, the visibility to be honest. So it is a bit of an assumption. I don't know that I'd do it personally, uh, just because you know, I know what my daughter's like when the internet's not working. Uh, so <laughs> I wouldn't want to be taking those support calls. Yeah, I, I, I've heard a few MSPs exploring the possibility as uh, if their clients are sort of asking how can they give basically work from home packs to, to people yeah. and that's connectivity. So it might not be like you're providing you're not providing the home internet, you're actually providing a dedicated connectivity for the work purposes. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, where I've also seen from a sort of a work from home piece of it um, is kind of being the night in Shining Armour. Uh, we've had a few partners where, you know, like the, the owner of their end customer has moved house or whatever and they're having an issue with, you know, one of the, the big four, whoever it might be. 
Uh, and, you know, they've been able to sort of come in, provide a connection, up and running and looked really good from that perspective because, again, they've had more control. You know, there's less red tape dealing with, you know, someone like ourselves than it is you know, dealing with, you know, um, you know, one of the big four. So that's probably more where I sort of see it is usually around the, you know, the owners of those businesses providing it there, but there's definitely an opportunity. So you've provided a lot of awesome advice here, and I think it's stuff that not enough people are talking about as, as this client meeting is coming up. So what would be your... Um, what would be your main takeaways that you want people to, to walk away with um, from this conversation? Get it right from the beginning. If you get it right from the beginning, think about your stack, make sure you quote the right thing from the word go. You will save yourself so much headache down the line. Uh, and you know that way, if the customer says no, it's on them. Uh, I've just seen too many frantic MSPs over the years that unfortunately they've put in a residential grade service and things have gone wrong and there's nothing to back them and the you know the customer's yelling at them and they're not able to get out of get that resolved as quickly as possible um yeah so just getting it right from the beginning will set yourself up and th and think about the the journey right so think about how you're going to bill it how you're going to quote it those sort of things um if you get that right at the beginning then connectivity can be a great turnkey solution that really can not only drive additional, you know, profits for your business and revenue, um, but it can also be a, you know, a clawback for margin from your MSP services as well. I, I think that's a fantastic wrap up point. And I really appreciate your time coming on and helping educate everyone to think about this sort of opportunity and how to, how to do it right. So no doubt I'll have you back again in the future to dive a bit deeper, but Thanks for joining me, Ben. This no worries, awesome. James. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's always good uh, having a bit of a, a chinwag with you. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed it.